Welcome to the Grace World Leadership Podcast. This is Pastor Daniel Norris, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to download and, more importantly, to listen to this leadership podcast. You know, Jenna and I absolutely love this church, and Grace World is what it is because of leaders like you. You know, it's true. There is no place like Grace, and Grace is the church that it is because of you. So thank you for your investment. Thank you for your time that you serve and you put into Grace World. And thank you for a willingness to get better. In fact, that's what we want to talk about today as we dive into uh, session number two, as we talk about the leadership culture here at Grace World. But before we begin, I want to back up to last month and kind of catch you up where we're at and why we're here. Last month, we began a leadership series talking about the leadership behaviors, the values of Grace World. And before we talked about the leadership values, we have to first also hit and talk about our cultural values. These are the four principles that guide everything that we do here at Grace World. It's the foundation upon which that we build. We have a kingdom culture here at Grace World. We have expressed that with four kingdom values that we will not violate. This is who we are. No matter if you are at a Sunday service, a weekend celebration, a revival service inside of one of our Grace groups, our Grace Equip groups, or one of the ministries that come out from Grace World, everything that we do is driven from these four values, and that is honor, humility, hunger, and holiness. We express it this way. Honor creates an atmosphere. It's when we worship the Lord, when we honor Him, we invite heaven to come. Honor also allows other people to enter. You see, when we honor others, we invite them to enter into that atmosphere. Honor always shifts the atmosphere. So honor creates an atmosphere. Humility allows us to enter. You see, I can't lift someone up unless I lower myself. And so humility allows me to enter the atmosphere that honor creates. And then hunger allows me to access what's inside of that atmosphere. Jesus said that it's those who hunger and thirst after righteousness that shall be filled. Everything that comes by the kingdom of God comes by way of hunger. And so we, by faith, we reach it. We hunger for more. And he meets that hunger and that expectation. And so honor creates an atmosphere. Humility allows us to enter Hunger allows us to access, and holiness allows us to remain. The Bible says, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Well, you and I cannot manufacture holiness. In fact, holiness becomes a part of us as we come into an encounter with Him. It's by His grace that He makes us holy. And so the very thing that allows us to remain in His presence, He's the one who provides. And so honor, humility, hunger, and holiness. It drives this house. Now, on that foundation, we've been asking the question, how do leaders behave in a kingdom culture? And so we've established several values that we want to break apart over the next several months as we talk them out one by one. Last month, we talked about leaders lead leaders. Leaders lead leaders. That is a culture of empowerment. We believe that we're best when we multiply. It's why I love these leadership podcasts. It's the reason why I love investing into leaders, because whenever we raise up a leader, we multiply our efforts, we lift the lid. And so uh, leaders lead leaders. The question that I asked you to ask yourself last month was this, who am I raising up today to do what I'm doing today, tomorrow? 
And so who am I raising up that can do tomorrow what I am doing today? It's a great question to ask yourself. Every single one of us should be looking to a Timothy. We should be looking to a Peter, a James, and a John, somebody that we're pulling into our circle that can do what we're doing, and they help multiply what we're doing. Well, today, I'm going to talk about leaders make it better. Our second behavior, leaders make it better. And I want to talk about setting a standard of excellence. In fact, this leadership behavior is based on that value of excellence. That's one word that I hear when people come to Grace World for the very first time. They say, this church is a church of excellence. From the moment I walk through the doors, through the service, to the moment that it was over with, I just saw excellence everywhere. Well, that doesn't happen by accident. It's a value. It's something that we strive for. Why? Because we always want to make it better. That's the behavior. Leaders make it better. And that's talking about excellence. We state that by saying it this way. We honor God and we honor others by accomplishing our tasks and responsibilities with an attitude of excellence. Therefore, I'm never satisfied with the status quo. I strive for constant improvement. I'm always looking for creative solutions and innovative ideas to simply make it better. So the important question to ask ourselves is, what have I done today to make Grace World better tomorrow? What have I done today to make Grace World better tomorrow? Now, let me set the stage by sharing a story with you that I heard from a podcast by Andy Stanley. In fact, a great podcast, and I'd highly recommend to all of our leaders that that be one that you would download and listen to. You find it on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts from. Just simply type Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. In this podcast, he shares a story about in the 1990s, there was a company called Boston Chicken. Now, that company eventually becomes Boston Market. It was Chick-fil-A's first serious competition as they're both in the chicken restaurant business. Now, Boston Market had huge expansion plans with a goal of having a billion dollars in sales by the year 2000. Now, Chick-fil-A, the insiders, are nervous about this threat posed by this company, their competition. And they began to have internal conversations about how do we grow bigger? How do we grow faster? In fact, uh, the whole situation, it all culminated in a boardroom at Chick-fil-A headquarters with their VPs and their marketing personnel. They're going back and forth around the table, bigger, 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 faster, faster, faster. What can we do to, to beat Boston Market to this location? They're, they're buying up prime real estate. You know, uh, Chick-fil-A is trying to get out of the, the malls and they're trying to get into brick and mortar and to get onto the streets and expand their base. And so bigger, 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 faster, faster, faster. How can we get bigger? How can we get bigger? How can we reach more people? And Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, he's at the end of the table, but he's incredibly quiet. In fact, he hasn't said a word. Didn't seem engaged or interested in the conversation at all. That is until he starts banging his fist on the table. He's hitting the table until it's everyone's attention. And he says, gentlemen, I'm sick and tired of hearing all this talk about getting bigger. And then he pauses and he says, what we need to be talking about is getting better. If we get better, our customers will demand we get bigger. And that shifted the entire conversation of that meeting and affected the entire strategy of Chick-fil-A. In fact, in the year 2000, Boston Market filed for bankruptcy while Chick-fil-A hit over a billion dollars in sales for the very first time. Better before bigger. 
became part of the culture of Chick-fil-A that day. And it's one of the reasons why you and I will gladly wait in line, a line wrapped all the way around the building, just to order a number one with a sweet tea, which, by the way, happens to be my go-to order at Chick-fil-A every single time. Give me a number one, no pickles, mayonnaise, ketchup, and a sweet tea. I get that and I'm happy. So better before bigger. Make it better. Our customers will demand we get bigger. See, excellence is both a kingdom principle and it's a spiritual act of worship. You say, what do you mean by that? Colossians 3.23, Paul writing, he says, whatever you do, work heartily. Give it your best. As for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Paul's saying, no matter what it is that you're called to do, do it the best that you possibly can because you're not doing it for men. You're not doing it for the church. You're doing it for the Lord. It is an act of worship, so He deserves your best. Give Him your best. That's excellence. Excellence defined as the quality of being outstanding, exceptional, or extremely good. John Maxwell says this. He says that excellence is the gap between average and exceptional. It's the ability to exceed expectations and consistently deliver a superior quality. Excellence, my friend. And in fact, let me, let me say this. Uh, because I, I believe that oftentimes when we start talking about excellence, we'll compare ourselves to someone or something else. Well, how is our church better than this church? How is our ministry better than this ministry? How is what I'm called to do better than what someone else is? How am I better than this person? Excellence, my friend, is not measured against the other. It's not measuring one against the other. It's the measurement of who I am today against who I was yesterday. See, excellence is all about being better today than I was the day before. And so a great question to ask yourself is, am I doing my very best or am I doing just enough to get by? If you have kids, you have kids in school, you understand this one completely. It seems like this is a constant conversation of not just doing enough to get by, not just doing the work, but give it your very best. Don't give me a B if you were capable of an A. And I won't expect an A plus from you if the best that you can give me right now is a B plus. The point is, is that you always want to get better. You see, the gap between those two points of my best and just good enough, that's the difference between average and excellent. Most will deliver what's average just enough. It's what you paid me for. It's what you asked me for. But excellence goes above and beyond the extra mile, the and then some. And so if we're going to make it better, then we're going to have to challenge ourselves to do two things and to do them continually. And that's define and design and then refine and repeat. We've got to define and design and then refine and repeat. Let me break those apart. Number one, define it. I have to define what it is. If I'm going to make it better, then I have to know what it is. I have to properly define it. This means that you have to begin with the end in mind. This is the way that God accomplishes everything that He does. He always sees the end from the beginning. 
And so what he begins, he's seeing through to the very end of what he intends to accomplish. He doesn't sow his seed in vain. It accomplishes exactly what he intended it to do. And so we have to begin with the end in mind. I have to define what it is. How else can I hit the mark unless I've taken the time to paint the target? Now, if you've ever gone target practice, whether you're shooting a bow and arrow or you're shooting a gun or, um, you know, like our our Royal Rangers, well, sometimes they'll do uh, the hatchet toss where they take like an axe or a hatchet and they throw it through the air and they hit the target. The only way that I know if I hit the mark is if I've taken the time to define what the target is. And so this means that you have to define your win before you begin. What is it that you expect to accomplish? What will it look like? Go ahead and define it. And then once you have defined it, number two, it's time to design it. With that end in mind, ask yourself what habits, what disciplines am I going to have to perfect and become proficient at to be able to hit that mark on a consistent basis? I love a quote from Aristotle. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act. It's a habit. We want to develop a habit of excellence, of always doing our best and being able to consistently do it. And so I've worked on the habits. I've worked on the disciplines. I've worked on the plans, the procedures that are going to help me accomplish the win that I've already predefined. And so I want to define it and then design it. And then the next thing is I want to refine it. I've got to refine it. Anything worth doing is worth reviewing. So we've got to have a willingness to perform an autopsy of every win and every loss. Now, this is the tricky one because so oftentimes whenever we fail at something, we're quick to say, okay, let me criticize that. Let me figure out what didn't work so that I don't repeat that process. Well, I think just as importantly, we should also do an autopsy on our wins. When it's all said and done, what did we do that worked? So that that way we can turn around and repeat it. And so I've got to work at refining it. And so that means reviewing what it was that we did. There's four questions that we ask, and we ask a lot here. In fact, we call this the four helpful list. No matter what it is that we do. In fact, every Monday when we get together, we'll look back at the weekend. We'll ask these four questions. What was right? What, what worked what was wrong, what was confusing, and what was missing? Those are the four questions. What was right, what was wrong, what's confusing, and what's missing? So we'll, we'll get together on a Monday and we'll say, okay, what was right on Sunday? What worked and what worked really well? You know, was worship engaging? Did people engage with the presence of the Lord? Did the set list work? Was the sound right? Was the, the feel right? You may notice from time to time we're changing things. Why? Because we're always constantly trying to strive to make it better because we want to create an atmosphere that makes it easier for people to enter into the presence of the Lord. I'll ask it of the messages. You know, did the message work? Did it connect? Did people find it relevant? Did they find it engaging? Did it impact their life? Did it help them make a positive change? Did it present Christ who is our message? We'll ask what was confusing. Was there something that took place this weekend that left people baffled? Do we have people wandering around our campus? They can't figure out where to go. You know, do they, are they unsure of what to do or how to do something? Do they know how to access our notes that we make available? What's confusing and how do we make that clear? And then we ask what's missing. What is it that we're not doing right now that we need to add? 
And so those are four helpful lists. We should always ask them of anything. What's right? What's wrong? What's confusing? What's missing? It's a great way of evaluating your ministry. It's a very great way of evaluating whatever you do. But you see, asking and answering these questions, that will create an atmosphere of continual improvement because you're taking the time to look at both the wins and the losses and ask the right questions of it. Legendary basketball coach Pat Riley, he defines excellence as the gradual result of always striving to be better. See, people with a spirit of excellence, they continuously improve. They make sure to be better tomorrow than they were today. I pray, I hope, I trust, I believe that next year we will be a better church, a better organization, a better ministry, because our leaders took time to ask these questions of what it was that they are doing. And so once I've refined it, then I turn around and I repeat it. That's the last thing. I want to repeat it. So I refine it and repeat it. So I define it design it, refine it, and repeat it. Repeat it means to be able to turn around and do again what it was that we said we were going to do and to do it with an attitude of excellence. You see, to gain a reputation for excellence, that necessitates delivering results whenever you're called upon. Anyone can be a one-hit wonder. Anyone can get it right one weekend. Anyone can get it right one time. But hit and miss performers, they're not to be trusted nor respected. On the other hand, those who repeatedly demonstrate competence, they gain credibility and their credibility paves the way to influence. And so when people come to Grace World on a weekend, I know I'm focusing on the weekend service, but it's one of the most visible things that we all do together. But when someone shows up at Grace World on a Sunday, when they come back the next week, We want them to find not just the same service. We want them to find a better service, a better opportunity. We've taken the time not just to be able to do what we did the last time you were here, but we want to do it and want to do it better this next time as well. That's true of every ministry. When someone comes to one of your grace groups, when someone comes into an equipped class, when someone comes to your ministry, when someone has an interaction with you, you want to be consistent to be able to repeat what it is uh, that you do with an attitude of excellence. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verse 29, he says, Do you see a man who excels at his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. We want to excel in our work. That's where elevation comes from. It comes from the Lord. He won't allow a person of excellence to remain hidden long. He will always elevate them. And let me also give you a sidebar note here. Too often times... In the world and also in the body of Christ, people will come to the doors and they're real quick to tout, celebrate, shout their gifts. They're like, hey, look at me. I can do this. Look at me. I can do that. And they lead with their gifts. What I have found so oftentimes that they come and they go. They're not reliable. What you want to be is a person who says, you know what? It's not about my gift. Let me find a place where I can simply serve. Let me find a place where I can jump in. I see something that needs to be done, and I want to step in, and I start doing that. You start doing it with all of your might. You do it as unto the Lord, and you watch what happens. Because you're giving it your best, the Lord says, now there's somebody who's making themselves available. And because they're available, I'm going to elevate them. And so the key to promotion in the kingdom of God The key to promotion in a kingdom culture, the key to promotion in a leadership culture is to simply excel at what it is that you are called to do. 
Do it with an attitude of excellence. Do it as unto the Lord. Do it as a spiritual act of worship. Now, let me ask you six questions that will kind of help make this practical. Six questions that uh, you can begin to apply even right now. And the very first one is this. Considering your primary task, your primary responsibility, write yourself a one-sentence job description. I know that sounds almost impossible, especially whenever you consider all of the responsibilities, all the things that you feel like you're called to do. But here's why this is important. You should be able to clearly define what the central task is. What's the one thing? If I don't do anything else, this one thing is the most important. This is the CI, the commander's intent, the central intent, the primary reason for why I do what I do. Take that, write it down, make it simple, make it plain. Number two, with that simple job description in mind now, define your win. What is it that I expect when I do what it is that I'm called to do? What does that win look like? And so once you've defined that job description, number two, define your win. Number three, ask yourself, what three habits or disciplines must I become proficient at to consistently hit that mark? Now, I believe that um, as a senior leader, one of my primary tasks is to be able to prepare and preach Bible messages that equip and empower people. And so, Uh, With that simple description in mind, my win is simply this, to weekly deliver a message that is impacting to the individual. I ask myself, what habits do I have to work at? Well, for one, my time alone with the Lord, my secret place, my prayer place. That's my number one habit and discipline that I have to focus on. Number two is my study habits and getting into the Word, eating and ingesting the Word, not to deliver a message, but to get the Word on the inside of me. And then number three, being able to listen, to hear from the Holy Spirit, and then to be able to simply write that down and communicate it simply. And so those three things are three things that I work on on a regular basis to be able to make sure that I am preparing and preaching, engaging messages that equip and empower God's people. And so one, two, three, number four is then to ask yourself, how well am I performing at this moment? I know that can be a bit introspective, maybe a little intimidating, but it's important that we review what it is that we do. And so we ask ourselves, how well am I performing? Ask for feedback. Ask for people that are engaged, that have your best uh, intent in mind, and to ask them questions so that you would know, how, how well are we accomplishing this mark? How well am I performing? And be honest in that evaluation. That way you can ask yourself the next one, number five, how will you improve tomorrow? What is it that you're going to need to work on to get better? And so one of the things, and just being honest and and transparent with with you, one of the things that I'm working on is making my own personal prayer time uh, more uh, more impacting to myself. You know, what I often have found is that sometimes I'll jump into the prayer closet and immediately I go into pastor mode or church mode. 
But what I need to do is disconnect from all of that because I need my time with Jesus. And so I've got to disengage so that I can spend more quality time with him because the better I know him, the better I can talk about him. And so last question, what is something that you've done this week personally to make us better organizationally? What is something you've done this week personally to make us better organizationally? Every single leader can do this, whether you are a a greeter, uh, whether you serve um, as a host, um, whether you serve as an usher, you're part of our safety team, you lead an equip class, or you lead one of our connect groups, um, whether you're leading a, a ministry that's inside the house or outside the house, you can ask yourself, what is it that I have done this week to personally make us better organizationally? Now, let me pray for you. Jesus, I want to say thank you. Thank you for entrusting. Father, thank you for assigning, Lord, these amazing leaders to this house. Lord, we get the responsibility, Lord, that you have laid upon us. And Lord, we want to lead and lead well. So we ask you for grace. We ask you for wisdom to do our best. Lord, we want to continually improve because, Father, we understand that this is our spiritual act of worship to you. And so, Father, I pray for the grace to be excellent. Once again, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make it this far. These moments mean the world to me. And so thank you for taking the time to let me speak in to you. So for those of you that are part of our dream team, that you find this with inside of Basecamp, feel free to dialogue there in the comments. I would love to hear from you, especially any questions that you might have. Feel free to post those. And next month when we get together, uh, we're going to tackle leadership behavior number three.